when I first got my credit card, you know, you go to the bank, you have all this newcomer um, banking <laughs> packages and all that. And I got the, I opened my bank account. I got a credit card with, um, I think, $1,000 or $1,500 um, of credit limits in it. I took it. I didn't even bother registering it. Like, I, I didn't call any number to say, hey, I want to activate this card. I didn't activate it. I took it. I went to hide it in the deepest parts. <laughs> Have you ever wondered what it's like to leave behind every single thing you know and start a new life in a foreign country? From my experience, it can be a struggle. On the Newcomers Podcast, I'll be sharing my story as well as the stories of other immigrants. We'll be talking about the joys and struggles of starting afresh. My name is Dozier, and I'm looking forward to being your host. Welcome back, everyone, to the Newcomers Podcast, where I am Dozier Nibnam, and I chat with new um, immigrants like myself about moving to a new country and all the things we go through when we're settling in. Today, I have with me Oyin Ajibola, who's been here for like five years. Uh, that's a while. <laughs> How you yeah. doing? Thank you for coming on here, Queen. Thanks. Thanks mm-hmm. for having me here today. And I am happy to dig in and talk about all the nuances <laughs> of being a newcomer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like when you call it nuances because I feel like everyone has like a different story or a different experience. Um, and you know, I had a conversation with someone yesterday where the person said to me that there's he, he 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 and I would like to hear what your thoughts on that. He said there are two types of there are two types of living. There's Jaba, which is man, I'm just getting out of there. I just need to escape. And then there's the you know what I want to exper- explore the world and you know move to a new place. You know, just just curious, like which one do you think you that was your own? What which which box will you fall into? Uh, for me, it was experiencing new place. I think it was also because of the time I came. Mm. There wasn't a lot of desperation, you know, Mm-mm. five years ago. It was just, yeah, let me look for another opportunity, look for um, another experience. And if I don't like it, I'll always go back home. And really, that was the thing, because growing up, I never really thought about living in another country. It was <laughs> it was never a thought for me to, you know, just pack up and move to another country. Yeah. Of course, I like to travel around, experience other cultures, experience other environments. Um, but yeah, just packing up and leaving wasn't part of it at all. Um, and so when we heard about Canada and decided to move, my husband and I, it was just, you know what, let's, let's give it a try. If we like it, good. If we don't like it, we can always come back home. At least we know we have a plan B. Um, and that's what it was for me. But I realized that the recent set of newcomers is more of the Japan. You know, you've gotten to that mm. point in life where you're tired, you're exhausted, you don't see any, um, you don't see a lot of progress in your life back home. And you just really desperately need to get out. That's what I yeah. see now. Maybe if I had waited until now, Maybe for yeah. me, it would have been Japa as well. But at the time <laughs> when I left, no, it wasn't Japa. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. So just stick, staying on leaving, like, tell me about your first night. What was it like? First night in Canada or last night in Nigeria? <laughs> I mean, I would love to hear both, actually, like the first night and the last night. <laughs> um, okay, let me start with the last night in Nigeria. So yeah. um, when we left, we didn't really tell a lot of people a lot of clothes i mean we told people that family and friends that were really really close Mm -hmm. and you know um i if i don't see you i'm gonna die kind of family Mm -hmm. and friends um so and that was because we were not ready to deal with all the intense emotions that comes with oh you're leaving oh am i ever gonna see you again oh when am i gonna see you again and all of that we're not ready to deal with all of that so it was just with very close family and friends that we knew oh it was easy for us to invite them over if we were really missing them or quickly go home to see them um so it was really close knit uh, just being around all that really close family and friends and um, 
knowing that, yeah, I won't see them for a very long time. I'm going to really miss them. I don't know what my life is going to be without them. But hey, I'm going to do this anyway and um, put in the best, hope for the best. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. It's It has some kind of emotions with it, especially when you think about parents and family members. Mm. Um, I think it's a lot harder on parents because they're used to you being their go-to person and hey i need this hey i need to see you and they know you're just a call away or um a bus away if they need to see you by all means um so it was a lot harder for them and it was really hard to see tears drop from my mom my dad and all of that um but then i i guess because of the kind of person i am i I am not really the miss you, miss you kind of person. You know, I, I'm not the kind of person that um, I I typically don't fall ill when I don't see my close friend for a long time. And I'm like, oh, I'm homesick. That's now me. That's mom, my husband, but not me. Um, so it wasn't really hard hitting for me. Um, so talking about first nights in Canada, in fact, landing in Canada, landing in Toronto Person Airport and hearing, welcome to Canada. It felt <laughs> sorry because, you know, I'm not here visiting. Yeah. I'm here to stay or at least to try to stay and, you know, try to see how that goes. So it felt really surreal and felt like I've been offered opportunity here and i know that this is opportunity that a lot of people want a lot of people um are really hoping to get and here i am holding this opportunity in my hand what am i going to do with it what am i going to make of this opportunity i tell people that um I, I kind of combined my husband's age and my age when we came to canada and i tell people my husband and i packed 66 years of our lives into four luggage, but with a truckload of dreams because it felt like we had this floodgate of opportunities and dreams and all the things that we could be. Um, But also it felt kind of overwhelming, more like, okay, where exactly do I begin? How do I take the first step and also some level of fear. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. When you have that kind of fear, not, I wouldn't call it morbid fear, but fear of what if I mess things up? What if things don't go the way I want? It, It makes us realize that as confident as we might be in our um, in our, our gifts, our potential and all. Yeah. We also know that at the end of the day, it's not all left in our hand. You can do everything right, dot all the I's and cross all the T's and still you won't get what you want. So there's still yeah. that fear like, what if I don't make the right choice? What if this is a mistake? Mm-hmm. Right? But yeah. At the end of the day, it's a leap of faith, and I'm I'm glad that um, so far so good. I I'm certain. I was gonna say I don't think it's a mistake, but no, scratch the thing. I know <laughs> it's not a mistake. Um, I'm glad we made that decision. And even though it was just let's try it, if we like it, good. If we don't like it, we go back home. Five years later, we're still here. We haven't gone back home, so that means we like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So now, you know, with, you know, with all those emotions going on in your head and your husband's at that point in time, so how was it like trying to settle in, you know, um, as you, you, did you come to, this, you came to school or you came as a permanent resident? We came as permanent residents and okay. um, we came straight to Saskatchewan because we had um, a very close family friend already in Saskatchewan and that kind of eased all the tension for us. Because it didn't feel like we're coming to a place where you absolutely know nobody and you have to just try to make things work with a lot of trials and errors. At least we've had, at the the time, I think they had been here for two, three years. Mm -hmm. And so 
they had made some mistakes and knew, hey, don't do this. Um, they already know where things were. We didn't have to start. Yeah, Google is great, but we didn't have to start Googling what's the first thing to do when you get to Canada because they've experienced it. So they know to say, okay, yeah, go to the newcomer center and get this done. And yeah, go get the bus pass, go do this. This is where you do this. And just having them to even take us around the first couple of days was great. And that's why I always encourage people that as good as it is to go to a place, bigger cities, uh, everybody wants to go to Toronto or Vancouver or Calgary and the rest. But if you have a place where you have people that would help you settle, at least in the first few weeks of coming to Canada. Take advantage of it because it makes the learning curve shorter by, by far. I would say that, um, yes, we made our own share of mistakes, but <laughs> settling for us was a lot easier because we had family and friends, especially just also because of the kind of person my husband and I are. We are very private people. And um, as a newcomer, you have to learn to get out of your shell and talk to strangers, ask a lot of questions, uh, put yourself out there. So we were not forced to do that immediately because we had somebody to kind of help us settle and um move through all that initial process before we began to, and also introduced us to their own network, which helps a lot. So we didn't have to start making fresh contact and meeting fresh people. We could always say, hey, um, so-so person, give me your contact because we already had somebody here. And they would always know somebody that knows somebody that has something that we need. So yeah, that really helps a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like it's, I mean, I've had people argue that, um, you know, just like, you know, just go to go to the big cities or go to where you want to go to. But I'm always like, I, I totally agree when you say, like, if you have family or you have friends that you trust, that you can stay with for a while, do that because it, it changes everything. We, we too, when we yes. landed, we landed in, we landed in Ottawa actually, because we had friends there. Shout out to Uka, mm -hmm. if you're listening to this, um, we stayed in their house place for like two months. Like it was the... It made things so easy for us. I mean, we I now live in Calgary. I moved to Calgary now because I have more friends here. But mm -hmm. just landing in Ottawa first, just because you had someone you could stay in your house for like yeah. two months. Uh, I I, I yeah. can't just I, I landed in the middle of winter. Like it was it was bloody <laughs> It was, it was it was really cold. That takes another high level of courage. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we left. It was it was really cold. When we me and my wife were sick for like two weeks. I think. We were just sick because our body just didn't understand what was going on. Like, okay, wait, wait, yo, mm. you left 35 degrees Celsius, hot, sweltering Lagos heat, you know, <laughs> and then you land plop in the middle of minus 15s and minus 16s. Like, that's like you just jumped like a full minus 30 back. Or mm. minus, or, you know, a full minus 30 back and then you do an another minus 15 back. Like, yeah. yo. I yeah, feel like my blood like froze at some point. Circle. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, kind of just digging deeper a bit into what you're talking about, all that settling in and stuff. Like, so, can you tell me about, like, your, what were the three biggest things that kind of hit you? You know how when you move to a new place, you're like, the things that just come at you really hard. Like, and you're like, okay, uh, this is very different. <laughs> Yeah, there's a number of things, some positive, some negative, some just fair. very yeah, fair. Just <laughs> the society that I wasn't used to. Um, so I'll start from the neutral things. The neutral things first was the credit system. Coming from a country where you gotta have your cash to buy everything you wanted, and where there's a lot of stigma attached to Owing, like yeah. you're a debtor. How can you be owing? If you don't yeah. have the money, don't buy it. And and moving to an environment where it's credit system, you're encouraged to be a debtor, <laughs> um, encouraged to accumulate debt. So um, that was the first shock for me. I, I tell the story all the time that when I first got my credit card, you know, you go to the bank, you have all this newcomer, um, banking <laughs> packages and all that and I got the I opened my bank account I got a credit card with I think 
$1,000 or $1,500 um, of credit limits in it. I took it. I didn't even bother registering it. Like I, I didn't call any number to say, hey, I want to activate this card. I didn't activate it. I took it. I went to hide it in the deepest parts. <laughs> I'm like, there's no way I'm ever getting into debt in this country. Don't ask me how much debt I'm in right now. Don't even ask me. You have a, if but, you have yeah. a mortgage, I'm not going to ask. <laughs> so I'm like, no, if I don't have money, I'm not buying it. So I was using my, um, I was using my debit card or using cash for everything I, I needed for, I think about six months or so. I, I didn't use my credit card at all. Um, not until I needed to do something. I think I needed my credit credit history for something. And um I went to the bank, said, Yeah, I needed I, I can't remember exactly what I needed it for now, but I needed to have credit history to be able to do what I needed to do. And the bank said, Well, you don't have credit history. And I'm like, How's that possible? I never owe you my life. Like I, I pay for everything I need. I, I always have my cash. I don't owe one dollar. And he said, well, yeah, that's why you don't have a credit history. If you want to survive in this economy, you have to owe. You have to. to, to. Like it's it's like, weird. It's weird though. It's a weird feel. Honestly, it's I a know. weird vibe. And my husband had a good laugh when that happened because when we first got the card he when he he had um, a previous experience in the u.s had been in the u.s for a while so he understood the system a little um so when i got the card and i told him i wasn't going to going to um use it activate it or use it he's like no you have to use it worst case scenario pay back immediately when you use it if you need to spend anything use your credit card and then put the money back in your credit card i said no no way there's no way he's like this is gonna come bite you back i said no no way <laughs> until that actually happened and they said no you have to oh in order to borrow i said okay still doesn't really make a lot of sense to me till date but yeah, yeah. me too now yeah, i feel like too. i'm neck deep in in the credit system i'm like okay you want me to owe Let's get it started. <laughs> you went in town. <laughs> yeah. So that was, um, I would we'll call that negative or positive. That's just the system that I wasn't used to. And um, I got thrown into it and kind of messed up a little bit there. Um, until thankfully it wasn't something super, super serious that I was yeah. able to get myself out of um, in time. Um, the positive is just how helpful canadians are um you know you don't necessarily need to ask for help sometimes before they offer to help um kissing point i remembered when we first came out where we rented an apartment we went to walmart to get a couch then we bought this really small i think it was a a, a camry um i don't know what it's, it's called now i'm very bad with cars as long as i know it's a camry that's good enough um so we bought this <laughs> really small car that was our first car and we went to walmart bought a couch we just rented our apartment we're trying to furnish it with little things and we had this massive couch in a box that we're trying to fix into the trunk of our camry and thinking about it i think it was really stupid because <laughs> the box was almost bigger than the whole car itself and it just i don't know why we didn't think about it before we bought it and we were trying really hard to fix it in. And it felt really stupid. We didn't know what we we're going to do. How do we move this um, couch home? Do we just take it back and say, we can't buy it because we can't fit it into our car? And this really, this guy parked very close to us, had a truck, came to us and said, um, there's no way you can get that into your car. I drive a truck. Put it in my truck. I'll drive behind you and take Jeez. it to your house. Jeez. And... I literally had goosebumps because he doesn't know how far we lived. He didn't he didn't even ask. He didn't say, Oh, do you do you live Damn. around so I can, you know, or oh um, I need to do this and this and this first. I said, okay. I think he even said something like he had other things to do, but um those can't wait, he'll just take it to our house um and and 
do every other thing he needed to do. And so, um, yeah, he, he took it home with us and even helped us move it into the apartment, took our number. The next weekend, he came with his wife, took us out on our first um, rodeo experience, which was great. Um, yeah, unfortunately, we lost his contact. But yeah, oh. it just really, it just really <laughs> shows how nice people can be. I know that there are people in Canada that um, are not that nice, but for the most part, the level at which people are willing to go to help yeah. other people here and to just go out of their way, even though it causes them discomfort to help, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really moved me, especially because um, I kind of really haven't experienced that before. Coming from where I'm coming from, yes, people are willing to help you, but they would ask you, um, how much would you pay? There's always yeah. money attached. Like, how much would you pay if I move it to your house? But he asked, asked for no money, caused himself discomfort. And um, it was really great to see how nice people can be. And that has yeah. moved me also to try to go the extra mile to help people when they're trying to settle or when I meet newcomers that are just trying to settle and trying to understand the um, Canadian system and just to, to help them settle. Now the negative part is experiencing subtle racism. Yeah, we have that as well. And um, I have experienced just how people can be needlessly mean um, and in a way that you can't really call it out. I think that's the thing about um covert racism in Canada. You can't you can't really say this person is being racist because it's not to your face. They have a really subtle way. Those that want to be racist have a really subtle way of of doing it. And um it was a shock to me because I've never really experienced coming from an environment where black majority and you're coming to a place where it's white majority and black minority and really trying to always um take it off my mind because when you kind of experience subtle racism it's difficult to experience things and not think about it as being racist sometimes you have certain experiences and you're thinking to yourself is this person just having a bad day Oh, are they actually being racist? But the good thing I've seen so far is because it is not something that is encouraged in Canada. Usually you'd have other Caucasians calling it out. You'd have other white people calling it out when they see it or when they see you experiences. They'll be the ones to speak out for you. And there's been a few times when that happened when I didn't even see it as being racist until someone said, no, that is wrong. If you wouldn't do that to a white person and you're doing it to a black person, then you're being racist. And I I didn't even think, to me, it's just, maybe he's just having a bad day or maybe maybe there's nothing to it. But other people called it out. So that's... um, that was another shock for me as well. And just having this consciousness that, okay, you are a minority here and there's a possibility that this is happening, but also learning how to deal with it without allowing it affect my yeah. mental health yeah. is really important. Okay. Um, I, I, it's, that's really, really, it's really sad to all this. When, when, whenever it happens, whether you get that sense that someone is just mm-hmm. trying to be, funny it's sad but you know i just say to myself that um there are good people i think it was i saw this it was it, i saw this i saw this thing as this quote of i saw someone say it as, to a kid in a movie so the guy said to the little boy that there are good people and there are bad people and if we allow the bad people to define how we see the world then we're just going to become yeah. like them you know, bitter, angry, you know, so. Absolutely. So I just and said to myself. miss out on the good thing. Yeah, exactly. Because always see yeah. people in that bad light. Yeah, so. exactly. So you're always saying, um, oh, yeah, this, this this guy might be racist. I just I just said to myself these days that, you know, yeah, this, this I met an asshole today, but that's not what everyone is. 
yeah. and life and life goes on. I'm because I was saying to someone that I really hope that I can raise two. I have two boys. I raised two boys that are really kind human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that are kind first and treats everyone at least with some form of equality. That yeah. I know they will be. They'll, I know they experience racism at some point in their lives. I mean, I, I mean, we, my kid, my first kid, we suspect that he was racially abused when he, in his in his um, mm. kindergarten by one of his teachers. You know, it was crazy, but we kind of just moved on from it. You know, so but yeah, it's a really sad topic. I something I really like to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> You move know. on to something good yeah let's move something good i was gonna ask like so how did you all go about making new friends like that's like always i mean i know you all had someone you had you all had five family member here but mm-hmm. like how was it making new friends was it easy uh or was it just you know tapping into old networks it wasn't easy making new friends um and i think it's a lot more difficult for some people than it is for others i'd say okay. it's just putting a comparison between my husband and I, it's a lot more difficult for him to make new friends than it was for me. Um, I'm more of the kind of person that can easily get into a room, meet new people. I might not keep the contact. I might not always want to, you know, keep the relationship, but at least it's easy for me to meet new people, talk to them, just have that conversation going on than it was for him. So what really helped me was uh, joining different groups and associations and for instance when i before i even came to canada or um i think after i got my ppr um or even before that i joined iabc because i did some Mm. research and realized that for my career i work in marketing and communications for my career i noticed that many of the job um vacancies that I was because at the time I, I um, was getting um, vacancies from Indeed and LinkedIn and, and the rest of them. And I noticed um, a common theme in all of them, or at least most of them, is that they were saying that membership of IABC was an asset. Mm. At the time, I didn't even know what IABC is. IABC is um, International Association of Business Communicators. At the time, I didn't know what it was. So I um, did a lot of research and joined before I came to Canada. I joined in Nigeria. And at the time, when I joined, I realized that they're going to have their international conference in Quebec, I think a month after we were to land in Canada. So I... Mm. I um, got a ticket to attend the conference as well. And just joining that association, joining the my local chapter, going for meetings of my local chapter, trying to actively be involved, volunteering, helped me to meet people. And some, I found um, some similarities, some commonalities between us that helped us to build relationships. I wouldn't really call them friends. They are professional relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, Some were people that, yeah, I didn't believe there wasn't that connection. So there was no need. It was just, um, yeah, hi, yeah, I know you. And that's it. And and that's okay as well. Um, It's a lot more difficult to build relationships as adults, especially relationships that... um, grow into deeper, meaningful friendships. As adults, it's difficult to have those kinds of relationships. But I find that joining groups where I already have common interests with everybody in the group, whether it's professionally, whether it's um, racially, um, I belong to the Black women leaders of Saskatchewan, there's a lot of things in common among all of us. When we all live in Saskatchewan, we all are women, we all are black, and we all identify <clears throat> as leaders. So there's a lot of commonalities there. So there is a lot more potential of finding real friends or building deeper relationships with people in that association because we already have some level of commonality. Yeah. I also find that um, for people who are religious or spiritual, being active within your religious organization or your spiritual organization helps a lot because when you're active you already know that at least most people within that organization are supposed to share the same 
mm. moral values as mm. you. So there's mm. already that commonality. Yeah. And with that, you can be begin to look for people to um, extend that hand of friendship with. Yeah. But also, I know that it, it takes effort as well because you have to... Um, do a little bit of hey, let's hang out. Let's um, are you open for going for dinner? Let's have dinner together or come for dinner in my house. Or <laughs> hey, I have this event. Would you like to come for this event? Which is a little bit difficult because it feels like sometimes initially for me it felt like maybe I was being too desperate. Why am I inviting all these people to my house? Why? Yeah, but. Those are some of the sacrifices we have to make in order yeah. to really build those um, friendships. And I have been, um, but really, I'd say my closest friends now in Canada are friends that did friendships that did really start from Canada. Of course, mm. they are both Nigerians. Um, <laughs> one, we worked together. We're already friends in Nigeria. When she heard I was coming to Canada, she started her process as well. And when she was <laughs> going to move, I encouraged her to move to my city. She moved. So yeah, it's good to have somebody else in the city. <laughs> so she moved and we're, we're pretty tight like that. The other person, we had a mutual friend and uh, became friends through grief. We had a mutual yeah. friend that... Um, we lost. Oh, um, sorry about Before that. she passed, yeah, she had told both of us that she had friends in Saskatchewan. She told me, oh, she had this really close friend in Saskatchewan. She told her she had this really close friend that just moved to, because she moved before me. Yeah. Said, oh, she had this new um, friend that just moved to Saskatchewan. So we knew she had, we both knew she had a friend, another friend in the yeah. same province, but we never met. We never got the opportunity to meet and she never got the opportunity to introduce us at the time oh. she fell ill and passed. So when she passed, fortunately, we had another mutual friend that saw both of us post this friend's picture on our status. I was like, oh, you posted this person's picture. This other person is mourning the same person. So... Um, what's happening here? So she connected us and we got to realize, oh, you were the close friend she was talking about. Oh, you were oh, the other close wow. friend she was talking about. <laughs> and that's how we became friends and, and we're really tight like that. So yeah, we became friends through grief. Um, so those, the two, my two closest friends are not the typical way you make friends <laughs> as an, a newcomer in Canada. I was really fortunate to have those, but for most immigrants, they'd have to, you know, go out of their way. Of course, I have other people that I consider friends, even though we're not really tight, tight, um, that maybe I go to when I need advice, when I need certain things, um, friends for different purposes that I've met here in Canada. And I've tried to grow that relationship. But it's just that growing, having friends, growing those relationships as a newcomer takes a lot of effort, a lot of sacrifices. And um, But at the end of the day, when you meet people that you align with and you really connect with, it doesn't feel like walking. Yeah. You just feel like, yeah, I've met my G for life. You know that new song? <laughs> yeah, I've met my G for life. That's what it feels like. Yeah, that's a good song. That's a good song. <laughs> Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, um, sorry about your friend once more. Death is... Yeah, thank uh, you. And sorry about your dad. Let me say that to you again. Thanks. So sorry. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, And now, I, I see, since you mentioned career at IABC, let's talk a bit about uh, all the stuff I see you do. Because I know you run a magazine, or you still run the magazine? Or, mm -hmm. like, yeah, so tell me, tell me about all that. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Okay, interesting. So I I professionally work um, in marketing and communications, um, which I still do. I still have my normal eight to five job. Um, but one year after getting to Canada, I just realized that my life had fallen into a rut. It was, you know, and, and that's typical for many newcomers. You come and because you have bills to pay in Canada, you have used to pay most likely back home. You have family members, you're still funding their lifestyles back home and all. So it's usually work, work, work. Um, you fall into a rut of you're getting to work. You, you wake up in the morning, you go to work, you come back, you sleep, wake up the next morning, you go to work. There's really nothing super exciting about your life anymore. I, I got to that point, like 
one year after coming to Canada and I'm like, there's something not quite right here. Um, I had a great job. Yeah. I, I loved my job. My job was interesting, but there was still, I felt like there was still something missing. Um, and also because after one year I realized that I've made some stupid mistakes as a newcomer. Um, I've discovered some great resources that are not really common to many newcomers. Many newcomers are not familiar with those resources. So I wanted to create a platform where I could share my experience as a newcomer, you know, just talk about life as a newcomer, some of the the good, the bad, the ugly, as they say. Um, and because I love to write, working in marketing and communications, I do a lot of writing. And I have a background in journalism as well, started my career as a journalist. So I decided what better way to achieve what I wanted to than to write. So I created a blog. Um, I called it Immigrant News because for me, I felt like, yeah, I'm an immigrant. I just want to muse about life in Canada and started the blog. And um, a little bit, I think a few months after running the blog, I realized that I was getting a lot of audience, a lot of repeats, readers. and But most importantly, I was getting questions that I couldn't answer. I was People were coming to ask questions about certain things. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just a newcomer like you. I don't have an answer to your question. <laughs> and you try to find the answer to those questions online and you get different contradictory information. Like this website would say this, another website would say something completely different. And you're like, so which one do we believe? Which one is right? Um, and so I began to see opportunity to um, transition the blog into something more, um, especially also because I was hearing immigrants having certain experiences that didn't just go well with me. I, I was hearing of immigrants experiencing things, whether with um, private organization, government organization, with other individuals that didn't sit well with me. And I wanted I knew, of course, the power of the media. I knew the, the media had a lot of power from my background working as a journalist. And I wanted to use that power of the media to advocate for immigrants. I was seeing a lot of policies that didn't make sense for immigrants, for immigration. Um, immigration is making their own policy and having their own goals. And housing is making their own policy that is completely out of line with immigration. So it's... There are just so many things happening that didn't make sense to me. And I didn't want to just sit and complain about it. I felt I had a platform that at the time already had a lot of readers, a lot of, at least monthly, I was getting over 1,000 um, readers on my blog. And I felt like there was something more I could do about it. So I did a little bit of research, did some possibility studying. And in 2021, I transitioned the blog into a magazine so that we could use the power of the media to advocate for immigrants and also to um, provide information that immigrants needed. And also because I know that it's a lot easier for a media outlet to get information they need than it is for an individual. If I need yeah. it right now, if I need an information from the government of Canada, say there is a question that comes up that doesn't seem right to me, it doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. If I go to them and say, hey, I'm going, I don't think this makes sense. Nobody would listen to me. <laughs> but if I go and I say, hey, I am the editor of Immigrant Muse and I have this question, they would listen. They would attend to me. And that's like 100% of the time since I started, since I transitioned to a magazine, anytime I have a question, and I asked that question, asked the editor of Immigrant News, I always, always, always get the answer. So just being nice. able to get answers for my readers, for immigrants, for myself, and also being able to advocate. Because just like you said, you suspect your first child had some racial issue in kindergarten with, your, with the teacher or something like that, and you decided to let it go. A lot of immigrants are experiencing a lot of things they are letting go which they shouldn't let go because you let it go. It means that it's going to happen to another immigrant, but I get it. Yeah. 
immigrants are too busy with too many things. They don't have the time to, or the, the bandwidth <laughs> to take up things like that. So we think to take it up um, on behalf of the immigrants. Once we hear there's anything like this, we take it up, blow it out of proportion to make sure it doesn't happen to another immigrant or to try to um, nice. to find a solution for that immigrant that it has, it has happened to. And that's what we do with um, with immigrant news. And I recently um, published a book with 12 <sighs> other Black women. Um, and we're launching the book on Friday. Yay! Drum rolls. <laughs> um, yeah, so the book that's is amazing. about... I know it is. I, I never, ever imagined that I was going to do anything like that until the opportunity came in. And that's why I said it's important to get involved with a group of people that we have a lot of similarities with. And that's what gave birth to this book project. I joined this program that had a lot of, that had Black women from US, other African countries, from the Caribbean. And we all realized that our experiences are similar in Canada as Black women. Our leadership experiences are similar. And we realize that there isn't any book. You know, when you talk about representation, you don't go to, when yeah. you go to a library, you don't see a book that talks about our experiences as Black people told by Black people. It's usually yeah. a white person that hears about somebody's experience and then they try to put it in. <laughs> How do you... I'm the best person to tell my experience for crying out loud. And that's why I love the theme of this this um, year's Black um, History Month. It's us to tell. It's our story. Yeah. Nobody should be telling our story for us. We should be the one telling our stories ourselves. So I came together with these 12 other amazing women and we published the book called Courage, Change, Fates. Um, the inspiring directives of Black women leaders. And it's we all share different experiences that shows how we exhibit faith and courage when we're going through change. Because as an immigrant, you go through a lot yeah. of change and it takes a yeah. lot of courage and faith to go through that, hoping to get the best outcome so just really coming together yeah. to share those experiences whether it's in in our career school and we, we're really a diverse group of women so you hear people that share stories of things that happened to them when they came when they're in school um or those that are starting businesses or even the family and and just different experiences of of women talking about life as an immigrant as an immigrant black woman because Let's face it, being an immigrant, you have is like one obstacle. Being a black person is another layer of, of obstacle. Then being a woman on top of it is another layer of obstacle. <laughs> so just putting it all together and saying, hey, this is our story and this is how we navigate leadership in spite of the things we have to face, um, just to try to inspire the next generation of leaders. Um, what else am I working on? Yeah, the Immigrant Connect app. Um, so um, late last year, we launched the minimum viable product of the Immigrant Connect app, which is currently a web app that connects okay. immigrants with other like-minded immigrants and um, services and programs that are relevant to them. So I realized that there nice. is a lot of programs and services that are available to immigrants in Canada. But immigrants are a busy lot. Newcomers are a busy lot. And it's difficult to keep up with the programs and services that are available to us in order to yeah. benefit maximally from them. So what the yeah. app does or our vision for the app is to use artificial intelligence to recommend programs and services that are relevant to you based on your profile and your interaction in the app. So for instance, if an immigrant says um, they are looking for, looking to start a business, for instance, and they're in, say, mm -hmm. Ottawa, the um, app would recommend business incubator programs that the immigrants mm -hmm. might qualify for in Ottawa. Mm. So that way, 
an usually when an immigrant comes to Canada or a newcomer comes to Canada, they have to um they usually have to join a lot of newcomer associations that send you a bunch of email newsletters that are not relevant to you. And so at a point you just need to blank out and say, hey, this is too much. I'm not I'm not having this anymore. So yeah, that's what we hope no to one, achieve with the Immigrant Connect app. <laughs> no, no one talks about the immigrant information overload that you get when you just land. That's like... the thing. Yeah. <laughs> like it just keeps coming at you and those information I... are really important, but not yes, at I... that early stage. Not at yeah, that early like, stage. I feel like it's it's just not just the, from the government. So it's, it feels like there's a large of information, a massive amount of information coming from all sides. Your friends Everybody, that, yeah. that live there already. Everyone has something to tell you about what you should do and how and you should do it. And many contradictory information. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I see the value of the app I'll, and or what it can do because just having something that filters that information mm. to what you need at this yeah, point in time, absolutely. it's totally mind-changing. Because, like, when we landed, like, oh, you should do this. No, 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 you should do that. Like, like I'm going to tell you a very ridiculous story like <laughs> happened to me and my wife. Like, it's so ridiculous that we felt, we felt really, we feel, we feel really stupid and stupid when we think about it. So when we landed, a friend told us that we can't go into Costco, that we have, they have to follow, we have to follow them to go into Costco to get our Costco card. So we did that. Okay. One year later, we, we if we had another friend who also came, so we gave them our Costco card and say, ah, you can't go into Costco. Use our Costco card to go in to get your card. Then one day, so they took the card. They now they moved to Edmonton. So we've been trying to get the card back from them. It's just been difficult. I remember, mean, I think you can send it this week. But, but one day, one day, we were, I was driving with the wife towards Costco. And I just started thinking, I just said, babe, you know we're extremely stupid. She said, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, I said, does it make sense that a, a an enterprise that wants to make money would tell a prospective customer that, oh, Costco. you're not with a Costco, you're not with a Costco card. Stand outside, you can't come in. Go and find someone that has a Costco card that you know mm. to let you in so that you can pay me for your membership. For the product. Uh, for the product. I know. <laughs> Ridiculous. Someone was just like, <laughs> we called our friend, we were like, Cece, we apologize. Just walk to Costco and tell them you want to get a membership card. They will, they will definitely let, let you go and get a membership mm-hmm. card. You want membership. You, you want to give them money. Like, it felt, we felt so, like, I I, I was just like, gosh. This, this, if we, so, it's just that you talk about where... Sorry, the, please, can you just give me a minute? I feel like I'm sure. having some technical issues here. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think I fixed that. Sorry about that. Oh, no problems. So, like you, 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 you go, you go land, and you just hear tons of stuff, and you're like, okay, oh, yeah, okay. and many of them are actually out to milk you. <laughs> yeah, because I can just That's... imagine that person probably just wants to get points off your purchase. Yes, I think person just <laughs> wanted to just get the the the. The, the 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 referral code of of yeah. I brought someone I brought someone to to get like that's just that's just all basically when just wanted but yeah um the 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 other I think the last question I have which is is if you were to go back in time what's the one thing you'd have done differently between now like I mean I'm sure there are many things you could have done differently because we yeah. don't experience. What's the one if thing? There's one thing I would have done differently. It is to network a little more mm. um before you came and or after not you just came? before and immediately after i came okay. um, of course i tried but right now i feel like <clears throat> i know a lot more now about how to network as a newcomer than i did yeah. before i came and if i had used the knowledge i have now to network better before I came and immediately after I came, I am telling you 100%, I'd be a high flyer <laughs> by now. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't feel like I maximized the networking potential yeah. that was available to me when I came. And so that's the one thing that I absolutely 
absolutely will um, will do um, if I were to turn back the hand of time. But um, still, I think I did my best because um, that's one thing I, I kind of feel like as a newcomer, don't beat yourself. There is, you, you can't know it all. Yeah, yeah, you can. You can't know it no, all. And um, the more, the longer you stay in Canada, the more you understand how things work, the better you get at really settling in. And that's why I try to use my knowledge now to help a lot of people. Um, right, I hear, sometimes I hear newcomers say, they did certain things, and I'm like, how the hell did you do that? How? How did you do that? And I forget that, yeah, I probably did some of those, some of those things to myself when I just came. But yeah, if yeah. you could turn back the hand of time, that's um, our network better that's a really that's a really really important lesson um i mean i would say i i, I was a bit lucky i think because i did i studied at miami art school before i i was really in miami art school before i got here so mm. i learned this thing about they called informational interviews which is you're not looking for a job you're just saying to the person hey i'm moving to canada and i am looking to get into the marketing industry because that's what mm-hmm. i do right now i'd like to just talk to you about you know just try to get a sense of the kind of skills i need yeah. blah, blah, blah. you know before i landed i had spoken to over 30 40 people whoa yeah like i had like 30 40 calls hr mm. recruiters head of marketing creative strategy all sorts of people yeah, you know, and people are always willing to talk to you as long yeah. as they know that you're not coming to ask them for exactly, a job yeah. because yeah. they don't want to disappoint you at the end of exactly. the day. You just, you just need information <laughs> about the industry. Yeah, yeah. And but I'm, eventually, you would most likely get a job from one of them. That's how yep, it works. Yep, yep. You know, someone said, I, said to me that the best time to get a job is when you're not looking for a job. Like That's when you get mm-hmm. the best jobs because then you're, you're calmer, you're not in a hurry, you know? And yeah, so, you're not desperate, so you're yeah. not going to settle. Yeah, exactly. So it was it was pretty helpful for me when I landed, um, because as I got in, I, I literally got an interview within one week. Uh, you know, and I, mm. I, started, I started talking, I started having really solid interviews within the next first two weeks. You know, got it, got my first job in a month. So that was one really helpful thing. Um, yeah, that's yeah, good. At this point, I think um, we'll round this up and I'll say thank you so much. It's been really, really amazing talking, chatting with you about your experience and all your lessons so far. Um, folks, f- let, let's make sure we buy her book. Uh, the book where it comes please do. out. <laughs> yeah, please do. You gotta yeah. buy my book. You gotta read that book, and I promise you, you won't regret it. <laughs> I, I'll read. I'll read it. I'll read it. I'll read it. I'll read it. All right, then. Thank you so much, Oyin. Um, this has been amazing. Um, thanks for coming on the newcomers podcast and just talking with freedom. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I absolutely enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, that was amazing. Thanks.